the story of a boy who dreamed of becoming a man, but dreamed up a monster instead. It has hunted you since the summer of 1994, back when we confessed who we were through mixtapes, when every movie at the video store had dirty heads. You were 13 and thought you knew who you were, only the shadow with too many teeth knew you better. It still does, and it won't stop, not until you come home, back to where it all began. Part cosmic horror, part coming of age story, Dirty Heads is a terrifying read from the author of House of Size, The Fallen Boys, and A Place for Sinners. Out now. Don't Break the Oath is the fourth volume of the Women in Horror anthologies from Candisha Press. Featuring a foreword from the VP of the HWA, Megan O'Curry, and stories from 23 women from all around the world. Candles will burn as we speak our dark oath. Edited by Jill Girardi and Janine Pipe. Don't Break the Oath will be out in ebook and paperback on Halloween. Thank you. Looking for your next horror writing podcast fix? The This Is Horror podcast for readers, writers, and creators is the ultimate show for writing advice, tips, and a personal look into the lives of all your favorite authors. This is Horror Podcast. Listen in to long-form conversations with some of the best writers and creatives on the planet. Over 400 episodes with masters of horror such as Joe R. Lansdale, Chuck Palahniuk, Josh Mallerman, Joe Hill, Charlene Harris, Craig Clevenger, Ellen Datlow, Kathy Koja, and many more. The This Is Horror Podcast. Listen in at www.thisishorror.com. That's the This Is Horror Podcast for readers, writers, and creators. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Just want to remind you, our good friend, Michael David Wilson at This Is Horror, he has a writing and editing consultation service. Two people worth note that he has worked with is Josh Mallerman and David Moody. For more questions or any answers that you want to get, go to michaeldavidwilson.co.uk slash editing. In Twisted Tainted Tales, Splatterpunk Award-nominated author Janine Pipe delivers urban legends, supernatural stories, and a few surprises. Mixing flash fiction and short tales, you can be sure this book is twisted and perfect for Halloween. Featuring a forward by Glenn Rolfe and gloves from Brian Keane, Hunter Shea, and Tim Meyer. Available on Amazon. Thank you. Welcome to Dead Headspace. I am your host, Patrick R. McDonough. Joined always by my good friend and co-host, Brennan LaFaro. Say hi, Brennan. Hello, everybody. And today we are joined by uh, guest host 
Erica Robin, say hi, Erica. Hello. And also, I just want to say hello to our surprise guest host, Hunter Shea. Hi, sir. Hello. <laughs> oh, amazing. What's up, people? Hello. I just, want, I just want to absorb that moment for a minute. Yeah. Morning. I got to go to work and look at this. I'm here for you. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's amazing. And goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> um, we only got Hunter for about 20 to 30 minutes. So uh, we're going to, anything that Hunter wants to say and make weird noises, go for it, buddy, at any point. Um, <laughs> just want to introduce our guest. This is a second annual Halloween special. want to introduce our uh, guest, friend of the show, Janine Pipe. She is many things, editor, a reviewer, and writer. And uh, Janine Pipe, say hi, please. Hi! <laughs> I'm very excited now. <laughs> Not that I wasn't before, but now I have Hunter as well. So, <laughs> so get really dirty really fast, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Just so we cover this one, because we haven't heard from you yet. Uh, and then after this question, Hunter, please jump in. Um, what got you into hard, Janine? My dad. I'll always um, give it uh, to my dad to say that he was the one that not only was he into horror as well, but he would be the one that would sit me on his knee when I was a little girl and tell me ghost stories and local lore and legends. And then he was also the one that when my mum went out with the girls would say, oh, let's just watch Freddy now or something like that when I was about like eight or nine years old. So. <laughs> it all came from him and my very first proper horror book was Salem's Lot um, by of course the mighty Stephen King and that was his book as well that he'd just left lying around one time and I picked up so yep um, he has always been there in my corner as well and he's ever so proud now that I write horror stories so yeah he'll still text me sometimes now like oh just letting you know I'm watching The Exorcist or something like that so it's kept going all these years. So it's all down to my dad. That's awesome. Hunter, do you have any questions pertaining to that topic? Well, your dad is still with us, right? Yes. All right. So he's not my dad. For a second, I was concerned maybe we were related. I know my dad <laughs> traveled a bit. So <laughs> we had the exact same experience. And like my first book with, that I found with my dad's uh, side table drawer was Night Shift by Stephen King. So. Mm. I don't know. There still might be a chance. <laughs> there might You're be. saying there's a possibility. So let's just jump up. Hunter's here. Uh, Twisted, Tainted Tales. That is Janine's debut novel. I just finished that yesterday. It's fucking great. Seriously, deserves all the hype. But enough about my opinion. Hunter, let's hear about you and how you got involved with this project. Oh, she told me I had to read it. <laughs> I didn't get a chance to say no. It was like I was, she was really pushy about the whole damn thing. And I was like, well whatever if this is what it takes to get you off my back i'll read it so i did it's all right i gave a blurb whatever no <laughs> i was so happy to read it seriously when gene gave me the chance i was thrilled to uh read it earlier than everybody else haha <laughs> and uh happy to do a blurb i thought it was cool i mean she covered so many different aspects it was so cool it's like it's all the 80s stuff you're such an 80s person you're too young to be this 80s but that's all right <laughs> but it's really i mean look if you're looking for something to get you in like the halloween halloween it's too damn early man that's a good this. term 
You're going to get into a, in a motor vehicle soon and drive. Um, <laughs> but if you want to get in the Halloween mood, that is it. Each tale will take you someplace different, but tickle all those like terror ivories. Guys, jump in. And by guys, I mean Brennan, Erica, or Janine. What are your thoughts on uh, the book? That's what, sorry. I, that's what I'm kind of going towards. You can't ask three people at once to jump in because then three people at once will jump in. I think it's a Jersey thing right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wave your hands. I couldn't hear most of what you just said. Your mic cut out. Oh, geez. I said uh, it's a New Jersey thing. Everybody talk real loud at once and wave your hands. No, that we're very uh, bad in the morning of talking, thinking. So tw- uh, let's talk about her debut novel real quick. Brennan, go ahead, sir. So we talked a little bit about this when uh, we had Glenn on, but um, I think that Hunter saying this is a perfect Halloween read, I think that really captures it because it goes to, it, it, it hits everything. You know, if you want a ghost story, it's in there. If you want a slasher story, it's in there. If you want something a little more pro- provocative and steamy, you got it. Um, <laughs> in spades, vampires, absolutely. There's just a little something for everybody. And all of the stories, they come at you fast and they come at you hard. Um, I think last time I, I ascribed it to like each story being like a kick in the nuts. Um, <laughs> that's... <laughs> Probably the best way way to put it. Just kind of piggybacking off of both of their comments so far. I also really love that every story, except for the last one, because I haven't read that one just yet. I was saying that before <laughs> we started recording. I almost made it. <laughs> so I'm going to read that one after we finish. Um, but where you have like such a range here, did you have like one topic that was your favorite to write? Like is writing ghost stories your favorite or the slashers or anything like that? Um, the most fun is definitely anything that's remotely splatterpunk because you can, you know, there's no boundaries really. You can go there with that kind of stuff. And the way I like to balance it is to put the humour into it um, because otherwise it's just gross and not everybody likes just gross. But if you're doing gross and funny, then it becomes something that people tend to enjoy and they kind of think, oh, it's all right. doesn't matter that you went there because actually I laughed about it. <laughs> so that was definitely the most fun. And um, otherwise, uh, I do like to do the werewolf stories because that's my favourite creature. And speaking of that, you had uh, Kind Words Afford by Glenn Rolfe. I know we probably talked about this when you were on with Glenn, but... How did that feel? Just to recapture that moment when he sent you that forward. How did how did that feel the first time you read it? I did cry. I will admit Aww. that <laughs> <laughs> um, because it, it's kind of it's really scary. It was the same with with Hunter, um, Brian Keane, and Tim Meyer, who all blurbed for me. I knew that they would only say yes if they actually liked it. And they would all come back to me honestly, you know, if they didn't want to and kind of say, oh, I don't think I'm going to this time. So it's very nerve wracking to to give your work to someone that you admire so much. And for them to actually like it is an amazing feeling. And the forward that Glenn wrote for me was just perfect. It really was. Uh, I'm going to come back to that in one minute. Hunter, I just kind of want to talk about it on here real quick. Uh, talking about for lack of a better word, early sightings of horror. Um, there was a great 
panel that you were on, I watched it live, and I thought it was amazing. You, Brian Keene appeared, uh, Lynn Hansen moderated it, Jeff Strand, uh, Ronald Kelly. Um, who else am I missing? Jonathan Jans. Yeah, Jonathan. Oh, how can I miss him? Jonathan yeah. Jans. Now, <clears throat> for you, how does it feel? Because you, you came up in the mid-aughts, I think it was? Yeah, 2010. That was when it started. How's it feel to be only just over 10 years kind of be referred to as someone that, I mean, all of us love you, man. We love your work. You're looked up at. How's it feel to have, quote unquote, the next generation view you in that light? I mean, I'm old, so that's normal. (laughs) (laughs) You know, nothing strange. I would hate like uh, one time Brian Keene and I were talking. He's like, he goes, hey, man, you're this is like five years ago whatever. He's like, you're you're it next, man. You and Jans and your group, you guys are taking over for us old men. I said, Brian, we're the same age. <laughs> I said, you know, he said I just wasn't, you know, getting published as early as you were, fancy man. Um, I think it's uh, this. It's all cool, man. We're like we're like one big. I swear to God, horror is one big happy family. Like, I could ditch this genre and write real stuff and make real money and not have to go to work every day especially on a freaking Sunday like I'm doing right now. But I choose, as my agent says, to stay in the gutter <laughs> because <laughs> I love it. And I love the people. And, you know, it's just to be able to talk to people and, you know, mentor some people and get to meet some of my heroes. It's just, it's been amazing. I'm so glad. So glad I didn't give up because trust me, there was a 15 year period where I asked myself every day, what's the matter with you? Go out and have a life. <laughs> there, there's a, there's a part in Janine's book where she talks about how funny. It's probably thinking the, um, the very end when she's thanking everyone that helped her get there to publish that book. She talks about you and Campisi, how funny you guys are. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You guys are, you guys are funny sober. But if you're drinking with you, you two, I mean, there's no stop. There's no off button, and it's hilarious. Now we're we're a definite hashtag cancel these fuckers. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you referenced yourself getting canceled many a time. Yes, which you know it's fine. You can try. People can have to try. It'll never happen. I always oh. say like if you try to like shut me out of a podcast, I will create thirty more just to do bigger coverage and be worse than ever. That's pretty much what I'm going to do. Scorched earth till I die. Now. I think this is worth repeating. Tell me to cut this shit if you want me to. But at one point, you said to me and some other people, uh, you said, okay. "You said if I don't care about what my wife and daughter say about me, I don't give a shit what some stranger says." That is absolutely true. <laughs> you know, it's a weird thing. I can credit with that Buddhism. I really? studied Buddhism with a monk for seven years. Just teaches you not to care. Like, what does it matter? Like, even if I say all the right things, somebody's own weird interpretation could take it wrong. So whatever. Just say whatever you want. How did that not come up when we had you on? (laughs) (laughs) I try not to talk. Usually horror and Buddhism don't go hand in hand. But I should write a Buddhist horror book. I mean, Steve Jobs, man, he I think it was Buddhism, too. He went to India and he was all about peace, but he was also a fucking asshole. And he was also a huge... Uh, tech taken. So how, how do those two go together? They kind of do. Yeah, I don't like, think he was really taking too much to heart. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably like thanking for the, like the meditation. 
so he could silently think about murdering his you know opponents but other than that <laughs> i don't know what he got out of it because he's not the embodiment of uh buddha life <laughs> no not at all so someone jumped in asked you the question i i got i've just got the sillies right now Oh, by the way, wouldn't it be funny if we had Janine on and all we did was tear apart every story that we didn't like in the book? Oh my God. <laughs> That'd be horrible. Let's do it. I liked half of this, but what did you do with this story and why? Honestly, I think there's too much blood. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I, I did like how it went from, like, it, it felt... I want to say creep show, but it's not creep show. It's it's its own anthology type uh, format, and it was really neat. Like VHS is really big right now because um, all the kids that grew up with it, like a lot of us, uh, that was what we had when we were growing up. And I, they said it. I'm piggybacking off of what they said, but you embodied that period really well. And there's a lot of people that write about it, but I thought it was phenomenal. Um, Hunter, your time is running up, sir, so I want you to get anything out that you got to say. I think I pretty much got it all. But look, Janine, you're the best. You know that. We got to set up a... Janine and I and a group of people watch horror movies together, like awful, awful horror movies. Everybody (laughs) drinks but Janine. She's like, I'll have a cuppa. I'll have a cuppa and watch this. Wait, what's a cuppa? Cup like of tea. A, a cup of tea. <laughs> oh, that yeah. Kind of sounds like a Boston term. <laughs> yeah, really. I'll have a cuppa. <laughs> exactly. But uh, yeah, we got to organize that. And you know what? You guys invited to do one of these two, so I'll have to send out the invitation. That'd be cool. It's just stupid movies and irreverent talk with good horror people. Yeah. Like <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, send so. out the invite. <laughs> gotta, I gotta get a Sunday off so I can do this again. That's the idea. Maybe I'll burn the property down that I watch. That'll there you go. It. Yeah, then I'll have do. nowhere to go. Is that in North, <laughs> is that in North Jersey? Uh, no, no, you're you're good. No, I'm not. In North, I'm in South Jersey. I'm right near Lang City. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you're by the down. Jersey Double. Yeah, that's an EHT, I think. Uh, that's like Egg Harborish kind of Egg Harbor right? Township. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's right, right yeah. near me. Let's go down there and look for it. Also, Hunter, you might be, and you guys and listeners might be interested. Uh, I wrote a short story about, not to plug myself, but I wrote a short story about this, yeah. and Matt Wilson published it <laughs> this year in Dark Wars. But it, it applies to this. Uh, there, less than half a mile from where I live, there was this train wreck in 1880, and um, there were basically one train ran to another one. Um, it's a conspiracy theory that that was kind of set up to fail uh in other words it was set up to have a train wreck and there were 30 deaths 80 something people critically injured and three people missing uh two of them were little girls and uh i think that's pretty scary also this year i'm gonna be doing a i'm gonna be a tour guide for a a ghost walk and um oh nice yeah there's a Domino's right down the street same month that that had that train wreck happened but it was Jump forward to the 1970s. There was a, uh, it wasn't a Domino's then. It was some kind of burger shop. And there's apartment complex right above it. And there's boy from that murdered his girlfriend. And uh, I don't know how, but some of the, some of her pieces of her, uh, the joke is that it was Wanda's burgers or something like that. So they make like 
dark jokes about how some of her got into the meat downstairs and cops ended up finding her in the boyfriend's trunk uh, after about a week that she was like decom- decomposing in there. So it's it's like a really nice town, but like there's some fucked up stuff that's happened very close to each other. And a lot of this happened in August. So, uh, yeah, why don't you come down, bud? Yeah, man, that sounds like all of Jersey to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> F- fucked up stuff, Jersey. Yeah, we get it. How much more time do we got with you? Because I want to say a proper goodbye when you leave. A uh, couple of minutes. I do want to say I have a new book coming out. Don't read the book. Read Janine's review of the book from <laughs> Cemetery Dance. Yes. And then that's you're good. You don't need any more. It's fine. Speaking of Cemetery Dance, let's talk about that real quick. You're an editor for that. You're an editor for Screen Magazine. You're also an uh, interviewer. And you just had your really awesome, congrats, by the way, again, uh, a really big interview with a guest that I want you to tell us about. You're talking about Devon. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Devon Sawyer. That was a, a kind of surreal moment. And just one of those things where it was chance and timings. Um, he'd followed me on Twitter um, and I just shot him a message straight away and said, because I'd spoken to Blue, um, my editor over at Cemetery Dance, and said, um, although most of my interviews are with people in the book world, if I was able to speak to some people in the horror community that are film stars that have also got um, an enjoyment of horror, would that be okay? And he was like, hell yeah, if you can get, you know, get, get a movie star, that would be fantastic. So I just pitched it to Devon and he was lovely. He basically emailed me straight back and he was like, yeah, of course. So, you know, obviously it's coverage and promotion for Chucky and all that kind of stuff. And this, he's got a new movie called Black Friday coming out soon as well. And he was just a really nice down to earth guy. So, yeah, it was it was a bit surreal, but uh, at the same time, quite good fun as well. Being able to speak to someone that I've seen on the big screen numerous times. So, yeah. I mean, one of his most, the one, the first movie that I remember seeing him in um, was Final Destination. He's mm-hmm. that's probably what he's most known for. But yeah, Chucky is coming out soon. Um, is that that's the TV show, right? Yes, on Sci-Fi. That's pretty cool. Uh, jump in, Brennan or Erica or Hunter. What I did again, Brennan. Three people at once. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> I think Erica should go. Okay. I'm always just sitting here. I'm just like, I'm too polite because if I talk over somebody, I'm going to be so embarrassed (laughs) and feel awful for the rest of this. Um, I have some questions that are kind of just like random one-offs, but one specifically, Janine, I know you're a big fan of Disney. Is there any chance readers can expect some kind of like Disney-like horror anthology in the future from you? It's really difficult because of rights and Disney um, have got so many lawyers that they, you know, they can just dip in and how they know people are doing things. It must be when they run the checks for Amazon and stuff. So um, people do get around it by kind of just uh, referencing like a theme park with a mouse or something like that, you know. So as long as you can kind of be very careful with what you're saying. I would love to. I'd absolutely love to do something like that. But you've just got to be so careful with how you do it. 
because otherwise is it a cease and desist that's it isn't it something like that otherwise you mm. get that and I mean my husband's a lawyer so if I did ever do anything like that I'd get him to check things for me first but definitely if I can do it if I can find a way to do it and I don't think that if if I did it I don't think I'd do it as a collection I would do it as an anthology and get other people to send stuff in as well because that would be cool oh yeah so everyone can get sued together yeah exactly (laughs) I just I don't want to be blackballed myself you know come on (laughs) let's get everyone sued (laughs) Um, I'm I'm interested to see if there's any comments from Hunter with this. Uh, I reached out to a few people that you love, Janine, um, to get comments or questions from. Uh, we'll start with Sadie Hartman. She said, every day I'm thankful that I know Janine. She is the most genuine and sincere person, truly one of those loyal friends that enjoys encouraging and supporting others selflessly. I love reviewing her alongside her at Scream and Cemetery Dance. I also love her hustle, watching her get after for Candisha and Indie Horror like an animal there's an exclamation mark she's a talented writer with a future in this business for the long haul keep an eye on this star so that's what city had to say oh. I, we, can all, we can all agree that's very true how much did that cost you um <laughs> too much like a kirkus review <laughs> yeah wow. that's all i gotta say yeah um <laughs> Every word is true. She's the real deal. She doesn't obviously anybody who writes horror thinking they're going to make money and just they're insane. So you really love it. (laughs) That's the way it is until Stephen King dies and they can spread the wealth around. The rest of us get nothing. (laughs) That's that's why we need people like Janine. Janine is Janine is like I told you, Janine, you came out of nowhere and now you're like everywhere. It's amazing how many. (laughs) you know hats you have on but that's that's why we love you so much thank you like a bad smell get everywhere (laughs) exactly it's permeating (laughs) all right i gotta go hit the road i gotta go to work and ignore residents for a while hunter where can people follow you sir uh you can follow me i'll be going on central avenue in yonkers (laughs) oh not the car like oh (laughs) all right follow me at (laughs) huntershade.com everything's there uh, watch the Monster Men. We have a new episode coming out finally where we've been together for the first time in two years. Ooh. Yeah, man, we got drunk. And um, <laughs> Final Guys every Tuesday night. So there you go. Hunter Shea, follow him any way you want in Jersey. Yonkers doesn't matter. And uh, yeah. just want to thank you for being a surprise guest. It means a lot to me, but it probably means a shitload more to Janine. So thank you, yeah. sir. I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> she sees a lot of me. <laughs> Yeah, it's old news. <laughs> See you, Brennan. See you, Erica. Thanks. Thank you, Hunter. All right, later. <laughs> so we're going to jump to uh, another comment, but it pertains to Twisted Tainted Tales. And in it, you have uh, a lot of the character, the police officer's named Jill. Um, I assume that's your friend Jill Girardi. Is that, first off, is that accurate? Yes, yes. That is my homage to her. Yep. That's awesome. So Jill had a lot. <laughs> She's competing with Sadie, apparently. She had a uh, lengthy comment to say to you, and <laughs> it is. I just want to say that there is no woman of horror, in quotes, who works harder than Janine Pipe. Often, I often wonder just how she manages to take on so many projects. Uh, there's more. Sorry, I scrolled way too quickly. Uh, often wonder how many... How, 
take on so many projects, as well as to be a wife, mother, and manage a home, all while tirelessly working to help and support others. I am one of those others, and I can honestly tell you, Candisha Press would be nowhere without Janine. If we are a success, it's because of her endless support. She's the most humble, generous, given, and unselfish person I know. She does more to help other people to be better than she does for herself, and that's exactly the way she wants it. Janine, stop it, Janine, you gotta make me cry. Janine, <laughs> Janine has done so much for me, Kadisha Press, and has never asked for a single thing other than our friendship. Janine, I'm honored to have you as a business partner and a best friend for life. I love you, my BFF. That's so, that's so beautiful. <laughs> oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> She's wonderful. Jill is wonderful, as is Sadie. I am truly lucky to have them in my life, definitely. And, you know, I <clears throat> I feel like for me, I've said it publicly and privately a lot. I feel like, I mean, I was doing the show only a few episodes before I asked Brennan if he'd start. I didn't even know he would do a episode. I mean, never mind full time. So without Brennan, I credit him for a lot of stuff over the last few years to get me here. Without Erica, who I – she's never said I'm a fan, but I'm saying that she was the first fan of the show and she wrote the first article. Without her, the show's not where it is. Without someone like you, Janine, just a friend of all of ours, and but other people like you, it's, you know, it's not where it is. My whole point is is success is a team thing and it's positive. Uh positive vibes and love and um let's just go to what tim meyer said because this is a question that erica wanted to ask and it covers what a few other people want to ask you um he said that she uh you're able sorry he, i'm wearing it weird before i even start talking uh you're able to juggle nine thousand projects at once with family life and be so amazing at both that was a comment not really a question but that kind of relates to uh, another question that someone else had. Um me to read it. Yeah, can you go for that one, Brennan? So this is from uh, Rowan Hill. Uh, she said, at least I assume this is the one you mean, uh, I would love to know a breakdown of Janine's daily schedule. She does so much. Girl must have a time turner or something. <laughs> I'm like Hermione and Harry Potter with the time turner thing. Yeah, that would be amazing. Um, I don't know how I do it is the honest answer. Apart from the fact that I'm very lucky insofar that my day job is writing. So I don't have a job where I have to go off nine to five and do all of that and then come home and do stuff. I work from home. My main um, job through the daytime is the content creator over at Snarled writing these stories for something scary. Um, so I do that and then I am able to do the other things around that. So the Candisha stuff, my own writing, the reviews, the interviews, all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's it, really. I'm just ever so lucky that uh, that I don't have that normal workload and then coming home and having to do this. Um, my daughter's 11 now. So although she still needs a lot of looking after, she is at school for a big chunk of the day. Um, my husband is amazing and supportive. And I say he is a lawyer. So he brings in the lion's share of like the money and everything, which, again, enables me to be able to do this. So a lot of it is luck. Definitely. Um 
I, I am the most unorganized person ever. I've just constantly got post-it notes and bits of paper and you must today you must do this and must do the, you know email this today and this deadline is here and whatnot and if I don't have things in front of me I just miss them because I do have so many different you know fingers in so many pies and whatnot um, but again a lot of it has come down to luck as well with people that I've interacted with again if I hadn't have met Sadie online she wouldn't have recommended me um, to Rich over at Screen Magazine. So that's how I got that gig. And then through having a byline with Screen Magazine, I spoke to Blue. Uh, again, um, I said, uh, you know, new Sadie, and I got a byline with Cemetery Dance and things like that. So a lot of it is through that kind of constant networking as well. And I do push myself too far, really. Like sometimes I've got like 10 deadlines at once for reviews and things. And that's something I'm having to... Um, step back with a little bit now so I kind of I don't review stuff for myself necessarily now I get things sent to me from Scream from Cemetery Dance and and things like that and Horror DNA I write for them as well and they have you know like a list of um, presses and authors that have sent stuff to them uh, Silver Shamrock being one of them which is why I reviewed Slattery Falls over at Horror DNA and things like that but it's not so much like people can't really just send me stuff now because I'm I'm just too busy I can't accept it not when I have deadlines with other magazines and things and thank you for that beautiful review by the way I don't think uh, I don't think I've talked to you on Skype <laughs> since that went up uh, very humbly appreciated your kind words so well <laughs> I'm wondering what kind of measures do you take to stave off burnout? I don't know yet. <laughs> um, well, I had a kind of um, a break over the last few weeks, which wasn't intended, but because I, I went and got caught COVID, which was just stupid of me, really. <laughs> um, so that was a kind of enforced break because it's one of those things that you kind of think to yourself, oh, if I could just have a sick day, a duvet day, and I could just stay in, in bed and I could read and I could, you know, look at magazines and watch TV and I could really catch up. But then when you actually are sick, you can't do any of that because you feel like shit and, you know, I just couldn't reading was my head was just so fuzzy um I couldn't even watch movies properly like my concentration had gone terribly but um I will have days where I just say to myself right today I'm not going to read any review stuff I'm going to pick up like a Brian Keane or you know like what I call my classic books and the, you know the people that I enjoy reading, but also I feel that I learn from when I'm reading. Um, or I'm just going to watch Creep Show today. I'm just going to have a day where I'm still probably still immer you know, um, immersing myself in the horror. But um, it's for me rather than thinking this is for someone else. And that's when sometimes you can get the burnout as well, where it's just constantly. I mean, we all do review and we all know that kind of thing where it's like, I've got this thing I have to read. And although I might have wanted to read it at some time, I don't know that I necessarily wanted to read it now. And now I have to. And you have to go careful with that because that can then um, influence your review of it as well. So, it, you know, you can't when you're a, a reviewer, especially for people like Scream or Symmetry Dance, you can't necessarily be a mood reader. 
and (laughs) so you have to be careful because you might pick up a book that at that time you've read 10 books like that and you're a bit sick of it so therefore you give it a lower review for that reason whereas if you'd picked it up because you wanted to read it yourself two months later it might have been higher so just I'm always mindful of things like that as well that's a great point sorry go ahead Brian uh, and then you absolutely had a fantastic answer um, as far as, you know, taking that time to just make sure you have a day or even just a couple hours to don't forget that we're we're in this. We're doing this podcast. You know, you're writing for Scream. You're writing for Cemetery Dance because you love this genre and you love immersing yourself in it. So, mm-hmm. you know, just making sure that when you do immerse yourself in it, you take you take the time to do it for the right reasons every so often. Um and as far as you know, it's you. You reminded me. I it, we we have a rule in my house uh, because at one point, you know, probably five six years ago, every time my wife would say, "I just need a rest. I need a good night's sleep. I need a break." Without fail, she'd end up like in the hospital or something. And then you know, the same thing would happen a couple months later. And we're we're not allowed to utter that phrase anymore. We're not allowed, you know, pray. <laughs> break we're not allowed to ask for a good night's rest because <laughs> we, we we get it in the monkey's paw kind of way <laughs> oh goodness me <laughs> i know G- that you're uh recovered from that though um that you're that you're doing better yeah thank goodness <laughs> uh yeah i i meant to ask you about that the other day because last you said you were feeling better but you sound great you sound like your normal self so i'm glad to hear that and um your fam i assume your family's all better too yeah thankfully my husband didn't have it quite as bad as i did i was in bed for five days just couldn't just couldn't get out of bed and i'm still finding it's just over three weeks i'm still finding um little things like um i walk my daughter to school it's like a half an hour walk so that's like an hour an hour's walk half an Mm. hour there half an hour back now ordinarily i would enjoy that because it's like podcast time and you know by the time i come back i've i feel nice and refreshed ready for a coffee to get on with the day uh, these last couple of weeks I ache when I get back from walking and I can feel it in the top of my legs and that's not like me you know I used to be a cop so I'm I'm fairly fit so it's little things like that that I've noticed and um, that's one of the like the long Covid kind of things that affects you for like up to six months so hopefully that's not going to go on for too much longer but otherwise I am so much better uh, sort of uh, even a week ago I'd have struggled to have been able to speak for this long because it was constantly like clearing my throat and it was in my sinuses and whatnot and we're all vaccinated so it just mm. goes to show you know if if we felt this bad and we're vaccinated I dread to think what people that have chosen not to get the vaccine feel like when they have it it must be just awful uh, yeah I'm just thinking about that I hmm. I don't know what to say besides I'm glad that you guys are okay. And listeners, if you're not vaccinated now, definitely get vaccinated if you can. There are situations like my, um, someone, my, I won't name specifically who, but uh, someone that we that we love, me and my wife, she's in her, she's part of our family. She was pregnant at the time, so she couldn't get it. Um, so cases like that, totally get it. Um, but I want to go back to something that you brought up, how, there are, because Brian and I have talked about this, we probably talked about it with Erica too on air, but there's books that you want to read, books that help educate you. And it's important to 
because there's a lot of writers. There's a lot of new writers. It's great to try to spotlight all of them. But I think you brought up a good point about books that teach you basically when you're reading it, the the way that well-structured prose can make you a better writer. How does this, like Joe Lansdale comes right to mind. How can I write fast-paced dialogue with, you know, snappy dialogue, great action scene to get the point across but not overdo it? Um, I want to read more Jack Ketchum, but I haven't had time. I want to read more Lansdale. I want to read more Ronald Kelly, which, by the way, I'm going to plug him real quick. I want to read this this month. It's called Mr. Globebones. It's a reissued book, and it's a... it's basically all about Halloween. Um, there's so many books that I want to read, and uh, me and La- me and Joe Lansdale have been going back and forth through email, and because uh, I just I wanted to get books that he would recommend, and one of the first ones he said I should dive into, and I'm bringing this up because maybe other people should consider it is uh, Raymond Chandler's The Big Sleep. I've never read his work. He's uh, 1930s, I believe, crime writer, and oh. there's. Robert Block, he wrote a lot of crime, like Psycho. That's that's a crime story, and uh, I guess my whole point is is uh, consider some of the older books because they're a lot they're they're very teachable. Um, Erica, we have been hogging the air. Please jump in. Oh no, totally fine. Um, you guys actually covered a couple things that I wanted to ask as well, so I just moved my questions around. Um, but looking back at again, Twisted Tainted Tales. Um, the way that you formatted this book was so interesting to me. I love that you had, and I know you guys have questions about this too, but I love that you had like notes from the main character that was kind of spread throughout the book. And I kept catching myself because when I read short story collections or anthologies or anything like that, I take notes after every single story so I can put that in my review. And there were a few times where I finished reading and I started typing and I was like, wait a second, that sounds awfully familiar. And I'd go back to the note and I was like, that's because Janine literally wrote that at the start. (laughs) So how did that format like come to mind for you? The only thing I can um, attribute it to is, um, and Patrick mentioned it, um, I love things like Creepshow and Tales from the Crypt, um, even like the Twilight Zone, all all of those kind of things. I've absolutely always loved that. And when I was just trying to think of a way to make the collection slightly more unique, that just seemed, you know, I, I had the Crypt Keeper in my mind, you know, as I, you know, as I was writing it. And obviously I didn't want to have somebody like that because it would have just seemed like I was copying that. Um, so making it that it was kind, kind of like found footage, you know, with Jill having found the stories and everything. It just seemed a, a fun and unique thing to do, really. And once I kind of just did it for the first couple, yeah, it just it, it seemed to work. Um, and then I put the author notes in as well, solely because I love author notes from other people. It's one of my most favourite things when I'm reading a short story is to find out a little bit about the origin um, and, you know, sort of like any Easter eggs within the story and stuff. And I know that it's not everybody's cup of tea. You know, some people absolutely hate that because they think that it takes them out of the, the, you know, sort of being fully immersed in the story. And that's fine. Um, But for me, uh, when I write, I tend to write what I would read and I write um the way and things that I like 
so I don't tend to write to sell if that makes sense I just do what I know that I would want and that's what I wanted (laughs) it seemed to work for me so (laughs) I hoped that it would work for other people and uh, some people absolutely hated it that the you know the wraparound stuff some people hated the wraparound stuff but like the notes some people hated both of it and that's fine you know because you're not going to please every person there and that that's absolutely fine but the vast majority of people did enjoy the the setup especially because it's all linked to like with the mixtape and the songs and all that kind of stuff so it was just a bit of the whole thing was meant to be fun and it. it just added to it yeah i liked it because there could be more. It could be like that. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen VHS. I've only seen the first for one and two and then the third one, or I forget what that's called. But I mean, realistically, if you were to say, hey, maybe I could pursue this, especially I'm just going to point out the way that you wrote the title twisted and then the uh, semicolon. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, twisted semicolon tainted tales. I mean, maybe that was set up on purpose. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe I'm reading too deep into it. But you could set that up for a sequel, and it could flow so smoothly. And I want to know more about Jill. And the best part is, is I know how passionate and how much you love um, the inspiration of where that character came from. Maybe there's a lot more to tell about her because she was a cop, and you're you were a cop, and I'm sure you could base a lot of truth into some kind of horror story. Um, Erica, I, I, I'm assuming I jumped in when you have more questions, so my apologies. No, no, that was perfect. And I think there was somebody on Twitter that asked a, a similar question about like the mixtape situation. I don't have that in front of me if you guys happen to have it, but I personally loved the setup. I thought it was really cool. And I am also one of the readers that loves the author notes because I love getting like any type of background. Because there's one story where you mentioned like a Stephen King nod and I was like, yep, saw that one. That was brilliant, I love it. <laughs> so thank you oh, for doing that. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of uh, Stephen King, uh, one of the first collections of his I read was Everything's Eventual, and I love the notes. Like, I, as a writer, as a reader, like, I want to know where the ideas came from specifically for the story. It it helps. It, it turns the gears. Brennan, did you pull, happen to see what comment that was? No, that if it's, I scrolled past it. I missed it. I don't know. Do you have it? Nope, that's okay. That's I have a question, so... Uh, Janine, this is kind of a kind of a, a big open one. So take it as you will, you know, say whatever you need to to fill in the blanks. But um, I would love to hear about the publication of the book. So basically, not not necessarily what inspired you to write the stories. That's where we're coming from. But uh, what made you decide to self-pub? How you went about choosing which, you know, stories that you'd written went in there um, and what you learned process okay um the main thing with deciding to self-puppet was um for speed because as we know um you know there are are presses that will take on short story collections but not as many that take on novels and novellas and things like that um and the other thing was I had been writing short stories for a while and submitting them to anthologies and things like that. So I was kind of um, in the swing of the short story and I had quite a few on just like on the computer. And I thought to myself, um, what am I going to do with all of these? You know, every so often a call comes up and you think to yourself, oh, I've got something that I could just tweak a little bit and send off to that call. But actually, I, I had enough more or less to put together a collection. 
Um, and I had been writing a bloody novella for about six months, which still hasn't seen the light of day. And I really wanted something of my own out there. You know, I, I've got stuff in anthologies. I've got all the stuff that I do with Candisha, but I wanted something that was mine out in the world for, you know, because again, when I first came into the community, um, I was doing a lot of reviewing. And although I have no qualms about being a reviewer, a lot of people still saw me as a reviewer who was dabbling in writing. And I want, and that's absolutely fine, but I wanted to more be known of a writer who also reviews. Um, and without something of your own, you know, tangible to say, this is what I do, that's harder to kind of, you know, say that. So that was another reason why I went down the self-pub um, way. And also it's just, you have more control then. You know when it's going to be out, you know what cover you're going to use for it and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I um, got in contact with Neil Fraser, who did the cover for me because he was one of my patrons anyway. So I had a relationship with him. Um, and I, so he already knew my voice and had read some of my stories and things like that. So it was quite I just basically said to him, it's going to be 80s stuff. Um, you know, the kind of things that I like um, and uh, uh, something like Fright Night is what I want on the front because it's going to be like this VHS kind of style. And when he came back to me with that cover, I was just blown away. You know, I looked at it and I was like, that's going to be my cover. Woo! <laughs> Thank you, Brennan. Janine, real quick, we're talking about Neil Fraser, the guy that Neil Fraser graphics, the one that did the yes. one. Oh, yeah. I've talked with him. We followed yeah. him. He's he's phenomenal. Yep, he is. He's really yeah. He did a lot of work for um for host with um with Rob and Jed, um and, and things like that. And he did um some of the work for Scare Me as well. So he's done. You know, I I knew he was somebody that had done stuff for Shadow as well, which, which is just amazing. Um. So yeah, I got in contact with him, and he obviously made it for me. And when he knew it was going to be the VHS, he did like all the wraparound. So obviously, you know, you've you've got it on both sides and whatnot. Um. And then I sent it off to um. What's and obviously I asked Glenn and Hunter and Tim Meyer for the blurbs. And although I love those guys, um, somebody had said to me, and I can't even remember who it was. But, you know, try and get the biggest name that you can for that front blurb because, you know, people will see that name. You know, if you walk into the, in, you know, into the supermarket, the store and you, you look at all the books, if something's got a Stephen King blurb on it, even if you don't know that writer, you're going to be drawn to it because of the King blurb. Now, obviously, it wasn't going to be King, but I was thinking to myself, who do I know who's really big that I might have, you know, like the balls to ask? And I had been in a collection, um, an anthology, sorry, with Brian King, 25 Gates of Hell. So we kind of followed each other and I'd spoken to him a little bit. And then I'd got the Splatterpunk uh, nomination as well. So therefore he kind of knew who I was a bit more. And I just sent him this message. I DM'd him and I said, I don't, ex you know, cause he's so busy. He always says he's got like 3000 emails, you know, <laughs> at any one point. I don't expect you to read this whole thing for me. Is there any way I could send you a story and you could endorse it for me that kind of thing you know I, I didn't want to put any pressure on because you know he gets a hundred you know requests to blurb a day and he said to me no send me the whole thing 
and I'll see if I can blurb it. And That's I was awesome. at, downstairs, you know, like my jaw on the floor to my <laughs> husband. And I was like, Brian Keane wants to look at it. But then I felt really sick. I was like so nervous. And I was like, Brian Keane wants to look at it. But what if it's utterly shit? <laughs> now, like one of my heroes is going to read it kind of thing. And um, he was one of the last to send the blurb back, obviously because he is so incredibly busy and whatnot. And when that finally came through with those words on it, I was just like, again, just floods of tears. I've never cried so much as through this. (laughs) Brendan, you got the book right in front of you. Can you uh, read the blurb real quick, bud? So Brian Keane says, Janine Pipe's first collection made me an instant fan, a stellar debut. Now... I specifically want him to read that for anyone listening that hasn't read this book yet. Give it your time because that look, we could talk about it all day, but Brian Keene said that um, you got Glenn Rolfe, you got Hunter Shea. Um, I'm blanking on a few others, but I mean, that that's really cool. And you covered a lot of things, but one thing I want to jump back to is uh, kind of, I want Okay, so I started the podcast with the mindset of I need to I need to separate myself and kind of stand out from the crowd. I read a lot of stuff of how writers should kind of approach becoming a writer, eventually leading to getting an agent and being published with the big boys one day. And basically it was you got to even if you're a big name, you got to sell yourself. Um, you got to help promote your book and you kind of get a stand out of the crowd. So that brings me back to my question with, did you have that in mind at any point? Because before this book released, a lot of people knew who you were. So you kind of already had a built in audience if you, for lack of a better word, was that kind of a a intentional mindset? Uh, What, when I started in the community? To to kind of like, um, before you released your first book to just, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just yeah. mean like kind of um, get to network with people. And by network, uh, just so there's no confusion with any potential listeners that might think this, I don't mean like to do this to kind of get a step up. I mean like to kind of make friendships, make relationships. Yeah. Was that was that kind of your approach too? Um, my approach was definitely networking insofar to be meeting, you know, other people in the same boat um, people that I um, that inspired and influenced me and that kind of thing. Um, and just to be able to build relationships um, up with them. I never in my you know wildest dreams when I started did I think I would be, you know, because everybody knows I love Glen Rolf. I, <laughs> I don't hide that fact whatsoever. I don't um, know so when if I people first started, know that. Yeah, <laughs> when I first started reading Glenn's stuff, did I think I would be asking him to write a forward for something for me? Never, ever, ever. But I have just built these relationships and friendships and things. And I, whatever you see of me on social media and whatnot, that's me. I don't, I don't have two different personalities and whatnot. Obviously, there's things in my life which are private because it's to do with family and whatnot. But basically, I'm the same person. I'm very open and and whatnot. So, whenever I've been in any kind of job, 
the first thing I've always done is make friends, make acquaintances, you know, know people that, um, that, you know, that you want to support and that will support you and that kind of stuff. So, you know, when I was in the police, I knew all of the other, you know, the social workers, the people that work in, you know, the parole offices, stuff like that. And I just went into it with exactly the same mindset. If I ever want to have any kind of success in this community, and that doesn't necessarily mean being a best-selling author, but just, you know, getting out there and, you know, put when you do put yourself out there, people being like, oh, I know Janine, I know what she does kind of thing. You, you've got to, you've got to network, you've got to put yourself out there. And that also involves um, being very kind of like, I am wanting to help people. But again, that's just my personality, you know, again, harking back to having been a police officer. I didn't ever want to do that to, you know, fight and arrest people. I wanted to do that to help people. I worked in a school for quite a while, again, um, and I used to work with a lot of the children that needed to be taken out of the classroom and have that one-to-one extra support because being in a classroom wasn't conducive to their learning. Again, it was helping people. That's just what I'm like. So I just took exactly the same you know path when I joined the community really and I love supporting other people you know I I know there will be people that think oh you do that to get something back but it's not that in the slightest you know when I do those interviews and people will say to me I bought a book because of you you know you were harping on about that Tim Meyer book that you said is your book of 2021 I went and bought that because of you and stuff I'm like yeah I put you know that's better than people saying I bought your book because people you know I'm helping other people and that's just what I like to do yeah talking to you even before we ever uh talked on zoom or skype you can feel how much love you have and it's contagious it really is um speaking of Tim Meyer what what book would you recommend of his (laughs) well malignant summer is absolutely amazing i mean Mm. it is a beast of a book uh you know it does um sort of lend itself to a murder weapon or a coffee table you know many different things um i absolutely love dead daughters as well that is a phenomenal book switch house is also amazing and um wormwood with chad lutsky that is one of the best novellas i have ever read that's oh, so so good thank you for bringing that up i forgot i wanted to read that a while ago but again trying to read guest books i forgot all about that thank you um <laughs> malignant summer just real quick how creepy is mother like you know her yeah. past and sometimes when you reveal a, a, a boogeyman's past it, it makes it more human it, they become more human but still mother was just so creepy um, I was lucky that I beta read that for him as well. That's so, cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah, so I had eyes on that back, I think, last December. I beta read that. It's the longest book I've ever beta read because it is obviously whopping. And the version that Sadie and I read for Tim as well was even longer. He ended up cutting about 20,000 words out of that. But, yeah. My God. Um, and I've, I've beta read three more of his things which haven't been released yet either so yeah <laughs> okay try to make us jealous brennan let's yeah. go through this <laughs> brennan and i are going to go through the rest of the twitter questions that way we can uh jump to other things before i jump to that you know you you mentioned that there's there's definitely going to be you know there's always going to be people out there who 
say that, you know, lending a helping hand, uh, the, the whole idea of one hand forward, asking people, you know, like Brian Keene and Tim Meyer uh, for help and learning from them, but also making sure that the people coming up behind you, that you are doing everything you can to support them. It's so genuine in you. And all people have to do is, you know, listen to you on a podcast or follow you for an extended period of time. Now, there's always going to be people who think that that's a facade, that that's a public face. And to those people, I say, fuck them. Um, <laughs> they're going to. Yes. Um, so, you know, a big hearty fuck you to those people. Uh, 122 episodes we record, and I think I've been the asshole for all of them. Thank you for finally showing your true self, you yes. dick. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's only to people who are not kind to Janine. So in that case, it's not being an asshole. It's, That's true. Okay. Um, now, Erica, you mentioned before that you thought there was a uh, question about Twisted Tainted Tales, and I did find it. Uh, so it's from Ross Jeffrey. And Yay, he, Ross! Uh, I'm going to try not to butcher this uh, because he probably will actually listen. Uh, he says, <laughs> I would ask if the titles came, I think he means organically, or did she insert them to have that connection with each other and also make the best mixtape ever? Yay! <laughs> um, the, because the stories were all written um, before I came up with the idea, so the... Um, I've thought of songs to fit each story, if that makes sense. So none of them were written like, oh, I really want this song, therefore I need to write a story about it. So it was all of the stories were already written and already had titles. But when I decided to go in and do it um, with the mixtape, um, I just was... And, and actually, it was quite easy. It wasn't um, difficult to find... Um, songs that match them which was quite good but then I'm, I'm an 80s girl so you know even though hunter said i look too young thanks hunter you really you, <laughs> you <know>. do <laughs> yeah i was born in 79 so you know 80s is my uh is my time so I remember you know, all of those songs in you. <laughs> you you have a you're like my wife you have a very young face and uh I don't know. I agree. Um, so, Ronaldo, I please forgive me if I mess up this last name. I'm pretty sure this is his surname. Uh, Katwaru um, asks, what inspired you to become a writer and what's some advice that you'd give to aspiring horror authors? What inspired me to become a writer? As with most of us, I've always written, always, all through, you know, English was my favourite subject at school. Um, I can remember the very first thing I wrote for, um, it was for a competition at school. Um, and I was in either year nine or 10. So that's something like 10th or 11th grade for you guys. Um, and it was, uh, it had to be a poem. And I can't remember whether there was a specific theme or not, but I ended up writing this poem about being followed home by a stalker. And I can remember my English teacher actually, you know, like calling my parents like on a conference and being like, this is really good. But why is she writing about this kind of stuff? <laughs> and my mum was a bit like, oh, yeah, well, that kind of comes from us because alongside with my dad's love of horror, my mum um 
is a massive crime fan so that's in the they you know they kind of go hand in hand my entire house was filled with horror books and crime fiction books and you know like everything that we watched on the tv was either horror programs or police procedural programs and things like that um but uh, that was the kind of the, and it was supposed to. It did actually win the competition as well, and was supposed to have been published and all this kind of stuff. But something happened with it, and it didn't. Um, and then the next kind of thing I started writing around about the same age again, about fifteen, sixteen, was um, what I would loosely term point horror fan fiction. <laughs> because I was really into point horror by that kind of stage, even though I was still reading Stephen King and Dean Koontz and that sort of stuff. I absolutely loved point horror as well because it was obviously about teens. So I started writing um, my own point horror type stories. Then uh, it just kind of, you know, I went to university, but um, I studied criminology to be able to get into the police and that kind of stuff. Um so policing started and then I had a family and all that kind of and writing was just there was no time for anything like that. I still read as much as I could, but I didn't really do very much writing at all. And then what happened was around about 2013-14, I was travel blogging for um a couple of big travel companies within the uk specifically to do with disney and traveling over to florida and you know sort of like the the things you know like top 10 tips for traveling from the uk to florida with a toddler and it may have been travel writing and that kind of stuff but it was still writing and i realized how much i had kind of missed that um, and that was actually how I first started within the horror community was um, I had a blog that I was doing all of the travel and Disney stuff. I thought, why don't I do this kind of thing? But about horror things. And my very first few um, things on the blog were just like my favorite Stephen King book and stuff like that. You know, like the things that you kind of think, what can I do? And it just heavily like sort of... Um, progressed from there and that was all to do with reviewing and things as well and I was like you know how can I review more stuff and I discovered NetGalley and once I discovered NetGalley the very first book I had requested on there was uh, We Are Monsters by Brian Kirk which is a Flame Tree Press book and then I suddenly found out who Flame Tree Press were that's when I got my first Glenn Rolfe book and whew, there we are <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that actually ties really nicely into the very last uh question that we received on twitter um i don't know if i'm gonna say djera you know what i'm talking about brian yeah is that would you pronounce his name like that but uh i i'm not sure <laughs> all right so Apologies if uh, I said that wrong, too. He said, name a favorite stalker, smiley face. Any news about works in progress or upcoming releases you can share? <laughs> okay, so uh, he is, when Hunter was talking about our movie nights that we have with the Hellions, um, Daniel is one of those people as well. He's one of my patrons. He's one of Hunter's patrons. So my favorite stalker is, of course, him. <laughs> <laughs> okay i wasn't sure um, if i should ask that but okay yeah, thank god no, it was an uh, inside it, joke yeah it's an inside joke and uh, totally <laughs> in jest yeah definitely um and again when we when like hunter was saying when we have these movie nights they're just insane absolutely insane if you can imagine it's like five men 
all drinking and me watching horror movies and I don't drink I'm completely teetotal so you know when he was saying about me with my cup of tea that's that's true I'm sat there with my cup of tea it's normally about nine o'clock you know nighttime for me but it's the mid-afternoon for them and they're still all drinking and we watch the most ridiculous horror movies ever made and then just chat through them because we watch it like on zoom it is the best fun I have all month sometimes it's just ridiculous (laughs) And Dan is one of those guys. Um, uh, As for works in progress, at the moment, I have been so swamped with slasher um, that I haven't been doing very much of my own. I have three things which I am working on and I can't. They're all collabs, so I can't say anything about them um because of the other people involved but they are all very exciting <laughs> that's all i can say and um, by the time this airs there will have been a big announcement about something else that i'm working on editing wise as well which is one of those pinch me am i really part of this kind of thing so uh look out for an announcement coming this week for that so yeah that's gonna be that's big really big probably the biggest thing i've ever worked on wow this episode airs uh the 28th of october yeah so if you wanted i mean no pressure and we can cut this part but if you wanted to announce it and it would it could go up on the 28th i don't know if you guys might remember a few months ago i was talking about pitching a coming of age anthology where Mm -hmm. the stories would be um obviously coming of age sort of set in the 80s or 90s and we would do it as an homage to like the steven spielberg movies like ambulance stuff but with a horror twist on it so it might be like the gory goonies or evil et and stuff like that Um, uh, obviously with, you know, being careful with what's being referenced because of rights and that kind of thing. So like an ode and homage rather than like sequels to them kind of thing. Um, and Clash Books have picked it up. So we're going to, I'm going to be working with, um, with Lisa and Christoph. Um, and we have some amazing people on board already. Uh, Brian Keane, uh, Josh Malaman. Jonathan Jans, Richard Chisma, Adam Caesar, um, I've got Cena, Hayley Piper, CJ Tudor, uh, Gwendolyn Kist. You don't even have to name anyone else. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I've forgotten someone, though, and that's going to annoy me because they were. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, so amazing, absolutely amazing. We did approach um, Joe Hill. Oh, Stephen Graham Jones is the last one as well. Wow. So, yeah, absolutely Holy awesome. Shit. Yeah, we approached Joe Hill. Um, he was really interested, but just couldn't commit because he's got too much stuff that he's working on at the moment. So, yeah, they are the invitees. And then there will be, we're opening a general call as well for uh, for people to uh, submit stories. Yeah, that's going to be out October 2023. So, Yeah. Can we I know can't when they, that's amazing that's incredible yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i don't know what else to say erica jump in please <laughs> i'm so excited with what you said about the goonies i'm just like yep okay yes. here we go. i'm on board you just had to say goonies <laughs> i was in oh man that's exciting um well speaking of anthologies uh you have a story coming up in aiden merchant's blackberry blood that's coming out soon did you want to talk about that at all today 
Um, yeah, that's uh, it's another one of my um, police stories, and um, I do like writing. Um, so obviously, because they, you know, one of the big pieces of advice I got when I started writing was write what you know. So it's just obvious that sometimes my characters will be police officers. Um, and um, it's very much one of these stories with sort of how far would somebody go? To, um, and specifically in this case, how far would a police officer go to crack a case? Um and I, I like to think that it's got an ending that people won't see coming as well, which is one of my favourite things, given that kind of like just that twist at the end of like, what the fuck? <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> but what I've also been doing quite recently is, although I absolutely love Splatterpunk, um, it's probably one of my favourite subgenres to read as well as write. I didn't want to get pigeonholed because I've been doing quite a lot of splatterpunk stuff. So the last couple of stories I've actually submitted, and it's the same with my one in um, in the Silver Shamrock, um, Midnight Above the Stars, is they've almost been, well, the one the, for Silver Shamrock's almost quiet horror. You know, it's quite, there's there's no, not really much blood and guts and all that kind of stuff. And um, the one for Aidens is, although there are bits and pieces, it's not so kind of like in your face, just to kind of show that I can do that as well. Although I'd have more fun with the gory, sexy kind of stuff. <laughs> but no, I think that's... it's going to be, I think it's going to be a, a really good anthology, that one. From from what I've seen so far, and, and Aidens really proud of it as well. And he's a lovely guy to work with. He's really nice. So, yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, I think I, got I might to... share a TOC with someone here as well. <laughs> oh, sorry, I just interrupted you twice, so now I'm sweating because I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> but yeah, your story, I got to read an early copy of that for Aiden, oh, just okay. some like content warning work. Um, and you said about your ending, you're hoping it's going to catch people off guard. I have my note in front of me. So I said, um, I kept thinking of the worst case scenarios to prepare myself for the ending. And boy, that ending was not one that I would have even slightly come close to. So yes! you nailed it there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so we, we heard from uh, Jill Girardi earlier. Um, and then we uh, jumped like a pinball machine to a new topic. So I want to go there. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you, you know, all the way back to like first story, how you got involved with Candisha? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going back. Uh, it feels like I'm going back about 20 years now, but it's actually only back to sometime probably last year, which is just crazy. So um, when I was first um, just get, you know, like when you do, when you first start writing short stories and you're like every open call possible, send, 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 send. And um, I saw the open call with Candisha for Graveyard Smash. Um, and I just thought, oh, I've got to send something for this. This just sounds awesome. So I wrote a story and sent it off. Obviously, Jill accepted it. And I don't know how we went from kind of like writer-editor relationship to a, a little bit more than that. I think it was probably what because she then invited me to send something for um, for the third one. And she asked me to get a bit more involved in being able to do some promotion kind of side of it as well. And just from there, 
it just it's, it's been organic really you know we haven't had to try and become friends which is just so weird because we've never Jill is the shyest person in the whole entire world so you'll never get her on a podcast or doing anything like that because she's just she's just way too shy so we've never even spoken like on the phone or on a Skype or anything like that everything's always been you know kind of like on social media and emails and that kind of stuff but she is just the most again another really genuine and lovely person and just as our friendship grew she just kind of said to me um you already do so much for Candisha, you know, just by kind of like interviewing people on the blogs and doing the reviews and then just saying, look, I've got this book kind of stuff. Why don't you just join the team sort of thing? And that's where it came from. Um, and then before I knew it, I was kind of saying to her, well, do you know what? If I'm part of the team now, I really want to do a slasher um, anthology. Is that all right? And she was like, yeah, just go for it. <laughs> so, <laughs> So that that's really where it came from. You know, we just uh, we started off as me submitting something to her and we just kind of gelled, you know, and that was it. And she's just this lovely little tiny person. And I say that because she is actually <laughs> she is tiny, she's about five foot who oh. lives over in New York and I'm like this Brit and there's like you know it's such a strange relationship in some ways but she's just so lovely she is she's just the loveliest person she she is incredibly sweet she's very nice and you both together are just like a pair of these two sweet human beings and you it's awesome because you're producing this work and it's by all these kick-ass women that are just like it's you might not be able to sleep super well tonight after reading some of these yeah. stories. <laughs> it's an awesome balance of uh, polar opposite emotions and feelings, but it's beautiful. And that's what great horror is, isn't it? Just kind of getting all the uglies out there and by very kind and nice people. Um, is there anything else that you want to talk about with Candisha, Janine? Um, just that really kind of we're even though Candisha's growing which it is which is amazing to see we still have this kind of like ethos of being a safe place for all women um and that we want all voices so um it doesn't you know obviously with Slasher specifically as well um I invited some absolutely amazing women that we were hoping would help to sell the book as well as being people that we greatly admire but as I've been going through the submissions I didn't just want people that had you know like uh, you know uh, um, loads of stuff on their Amazon pages already we want those first acceptances we want those younger writers that are like I had a 16 year old from India that sent me um, a story and I really, really, what I could, I didn't accept it in the end, just because we, I had, you know, too many. But it was just, it was the first time she'd ever written anything, the first time she'd ever submitted anything. So I sent her like a really long, personalised kind of like it was a rejection, but it was like your story is great. Here's what I think you can do to keep working on your voice and all this mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And that's what took me. I kept getting messages saying, um, have you made any announcements or uh, anything yet? And the reason it took me so long to go through them is because I every single one I sent a personal rejection to. And a few people said to me, you must be absolutely crazy to do that. That's so time consuming. But because I wear two hats, because I'm a writer and an editor, I think to myself, if someone took the time to send that to me, that's like their baby, 
and I'm having to reject it, not because it's shit, but because I've got too many stories, I'm going to take the time to say I really enjoyed it, but I'm really sorry this is the reason why I'm rejecting it kind of thing because the personalized rejections that I've got over the time have meant so much that somebody's actually looked at it and thought I'll tell you what <clears throat> excuse me this bit worked but maybe if you just change that next time then you might have more of a chance or you know on a lot of them I said if I hadn't have had 17 you know crazy housewife killer stories then I might have gone with yours but because I did I've had to choose one of those so that the whole anthology isn't the same. So that's definitely the hardest thing I've had to do through this business so far is sending rejection letters, definitely. And I think um, with the Clash one, that's going to be even worse because I think we're going to get a lot of submissions for that. She's not, (laughs) I I would put money on that. She ain't never going to forget that. And as she gets a, you know, as she grows and as a writer in person, <laughs> she'll probably remember you and want to reach out again. Um, I know that's how I feel with, I won't name them, but the few publishers that actually took the time to do the same thing, personalize and say why. Makes me wanna, it makes me want to work with them even more. And then you get sometimes publishers that don't even let you know that you're rejected and you're like, eh, fuck them. <laughs> So, yeah, it's a mixed bag, but you know what? Um, does that kind of make you, being a, a publisher now, too, does that kind of make you view other publishers in a different light? Yes, I think so, in some ways, um, because we are, like, um, we've got, there's different Facebook groups and things for uh, for just publishers, so you can kind of see a little bit about what goes on sort of like in the background. Um, and actually, I would say the things that I've been privy to in the different groups and things have just made me admire the people more because it will be things like sometimes with stories or novels and whatnot, people, you know, within this publisher group will say, I've just had this absolutely amazing book sent to me. I can't do anything with it for whatever reason it's a brilliant thing can anybody else pick that book up and I think things like that are amazing you know for um for people to know that just because you for whatever reason your work isn't quite the right fit for one person doesn't mean they're just like oh that's trash and just like getting rid of it sometimes not everybody because some people are far too busy as well but sometimes other publishers will reach out to other publishers and say is there something you can do with that? And I've had that personally um, from Jared um, at Death's Head Press reached out to Jill and I with a book that someone had sent them, um, obviously a female writer, uh, but it wasn't remotely within like the splatterpunk kind of like genre at all. But it was really good. And he said, is there anything that you and Jill can do with this? Well, at the moment, we're only doing the anthologies. We haven't looked into anything else with single writers and whatnot, um, just because it's so time consuming and we're still an equal little tiny press. You know, we can't afford to pay people for that kind of stuff. But that's just one example. So actually, the thing I have from being a publisher and an editor I um, have found other publishers and editors to be very, very supportive. And there's also almost not that much competition 
between them it's like they will reach out and say you know like is there something that I can do to help you with this I've you know found it to be very positive so far so that's you know so for people that are listening that are just writers the publishers all really do put their heads together and try and see what they can do to help each other and when we get great work in that we can't do anything with we will ask other people about it that's great um Erica do you have any questions about this uh or anything else that you want to talk about before we kind of wrap up yeah I guess just kind of a a comment and this is oh gosh sorry my allergies are kicking in now um the gents here had talked to and I really hope I'm getting her name right Ellen Datlow she the editor um and she was commenting on you know having to reject certain stories and then being bummed that the authors didn't fix the story and you know take her advice and then re-pitch it to her so is that something for your press that you're looking for writers to do to like take your advice because it does take a lot of time to go through and type all that up so to me it just makes sense that they would come back to you eventually hopefully but yeah I just wanted to see if you could comment on that a little bit um, I guess that depends on, uh, so for example, with Slasher, I wouldn't be expecting anybody that I've rejected to send it back again because we only had five spots to fill. Um, so when those five spots are gone, they're gone. Although I, um, I've i already mentioned to most of the people that we will be doing a Slasher 2, but that won't be out until, because Slasher will be um, out for March 22. So we won't, this obviously won't be till 23. So it depends whether they are wanting to hold their story for that long. Um, but also um, I did have a story sent through from someone um that I said I really like this aspect but perhaps you could just do a little bit more on it and when she resent it back to me um she'd completely like it's the most splatterpunk one for the whole anthology and she really went there and she was actually you know she was a bit when she'd first submitted it she wasn't sure how far she could go and I said oh don't worry for this anthology in particular you can so long as there's a reason for what you're doing kind of thing you can do whatever you want with it and so the one that she came back with was really like she was like yeah I had so much fun being able to do that but that was the only one this time and that's only because of the amount of um, submissions that we got and that I can't take any more after I've got a certain amount but I think, um, I mean, it's up to the individual writer. If someone uh, as iconic as Ellen Datlow told me to change something in my story, I would bloody well do it because <laughs> she knows what she's talking about. But there are writers that have different attitudes. So, you know, I can't I can't say, you know, why you wouldn't. But some people think, you know, that they know better. And perhaps their stories will find homes in other places. But if it was me and someone like that told me to change something, I wouldn't even consider not doing it. I would definitely change it. <laughs> Janine, you said that uh, one thing you and Jill like to do with the anthologies is, you know, get the marquee names, uh, but also make sure you get some first acceptances. And I think that, uh, you know, even going back to uh, Under Her Black Wings, that's something I always uh, noticed in there. You know, I was I was really excited to see like Summer Cannon and uh, the Sisters of Slaughter in that one. But I remember, you know, finding uh, Stevie Copa's story that was just awesome. And, you know, even into the second anthology, there was, I, I forget the author, but there was this uh, story called The Invitation that I really liked. Oh, um, yeah. 
<laughs> but there's um oh and one another one I want to shout out is in the third one uh the first story I ever got to read by Rowan Hill really caught my attention um there's just it seems like every time I pick up one of those anthologies I get at least three four brand new authors who really really you know blow up on my radar um so I think you guys are doing great with you know making sure that that's a priority thank you yeah well as you mentioned that that was my very first acceptance you know um and I remember that feeling from having a, a shitload of rejections which always happens when you start writing to suddenly having that message in my inbox from Jill saying we've accepted your story and I just kind of was like looking at it for ages thinking what <laughs> I finally had something accepted I'm going to be in a, a, just holding in graveyard smash the first time kind of like opening it up and there was my name in print in a book it was such an amazing feeling that if we can help you know do that for other people then that you know that's what candisha is all about so yeah we always try yes we will have big names in there and we're, we're not you know saying that we're not going to do that because at the end of the day although we want to support as many people as possible we also want as many sales as possible because we um pay royalty based so every time a book sells that's all of our authors are being paid so if you um look at it uh, you know laurel hightower's doing a story for slasher for example you know so all of laurel's fans are going to be like oh yeah i definitely want to pick that up but at the same time when they've read her story hopefully they'll read one by someone and think oh i don't know that person so yeah it's it's a wonderful feeling to be able to give other women what i had with a first acceptance that's great um all right you know what let's jump to what are you currently reading janine what are you currently reading I even put the books next to me because normally when people ask me this, I'm like, fuck, what am I reading? I don't know. <laughs> Especially because I read a lot of stuff um, like on Kindle as well. And I don't have my Kindle with me and I can't remember what I'm reading. But Brennan might recognize this one as well. So <laughs> I am reading this monster, trying to get through that one. Um, I don't know what I'm going to be doing with this for reviews or anything yet, because obviously being in it, it kind of limits to uh, where I can review it. So we shall see. For audio um, listeners, she just held up Midnight Beyond the Stars up through Silver Shamrock. <laughs> um, this one I am currently reading for Cemetery Dance, which is the science of serial killers. Um, and these ladies, uh, Megan Kelly, have done a few now. They did The Science of Stephen King was one, um, and they've done some others, which I can't think off the top of my head. Um, but, yeah, so this is, like, true crime stuff, um, obviously, with, like, Jack the Ripper, um, Lizzie Borden, and then sort of going into modern-day stuff as well. And this is really interesting. And then I was talking about how I like to try and read something for myself um, and something that I feel that I can learn from, especially if it's uh, one of our kind of like masters of the trade. So I'm reading this one, Raph James White, The Resurrectionist, which is a lot of people say is like something that especially going in, I mean, Jack Ketchum's blurbed it, but um, like going in just the first chapter is like quite shocking. And um, I love it. It's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and the first chapter is really like whoa he's going there okay excellent <laughs> <laughs> that's great erica what are you reading 
I am currently one story away from finishing Janine's book, Twisted Tainted Tales. (laughs) Um, So I'm really excited to read that one. Um, And then next up, I'm going to be reading Halloween Nights by Kevin Lucia. Wicked sorry if I pronounced the last name wrong. Um, That one I'm really excited about too. Yeah. Um, I feel like I haven't really, Janine's book aside, I haven't really read enough that's like centered around like Halloween ish stories. So I'm really excited for Halloween nights and I've got another like Halloween short story collection coming up and I'm hoping to get to all of them before the end of the month, but work's been really crazy. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it, but fingers crossed. Do your best. That's all I can do. Yeah. <laughs> Brennan, what about you, sir? Say good for you, Erica. Cause I, uh, I, I made a very small list of things I wanted to get to in October and it's not looking good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, no, no, not to take anything away from, you know, the two I'm, I'm in the middle of now, but uh, they're, I'm reading them because we're going to have people on. So I am working on Tim Wagoner's uh, Your Turn to Suffer. Uh, came out from Flame Tree in March, I think. Um, and I'm pretty early into that one, but I am consistently impressed with the way that Tim turns out story. And it's, it's, everything I read by him is different. It's, it's not like he has a formula and he can, you know, write 17 books a year because they're all the same. It's the imagination in that man's head is very enviable. (laughs) And I'm also reading the loop by Jeremy Robert Johnson, which is one that uh, I have been meaning to get to forever and a day now. And we are going to be talking to him next week. So I had an excuse to pick it up. (laughs) Yeah. Which, uh, I am currently, I just started this one. It's uh, In the River by uh, Jeremy Robert Johnson. And I am also finishing up uh, Burnt Offerings. I forget who wrote it. Um, I kind of hear what he said. Robert Marasco. Robert Marasco. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm listening to the audiobook of that. That's for Unburying the Dead, which we are coming back uh, with... A new episode. We were on hiatus for a few months, and uh, we're coming back with Burnt Offerings with Chad Lutsky. Um, so stay tuned for that. Listeners, if you want to check out some Dead Headspace merch, go to or read reviews, read some articles from uh, past guests, go to deadheadspace.com. Uh, Janine, where can people follow you? The best place uh, to find me is Twitter. Um, which is Janine Pipe 28. Um, that's where I'm most active. Uh, I do try and dabble on Instagram and things like that, but uh, I'm just no good with photos. So <laughs> Twitter is definitely the best place. I, I tend to lurk there when I'm supposed to be doing other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you have any final thoughts, Janine? Just thank you all so much. Um, uh, as I said to you before, um, the, uh, you know, I'm quite happy being the host and asking the questions, but uh, get a bit more nervous uh, when I'm on this side and do actually <laughs> wonder whether I'm even going to remember my own name at some point. So, and thank you for bringing Hunter on. That was amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, <laughs> when he said yes, I was like, I can't wait to see your reaction. Yeah. <laughs> Erica, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, I just wanted to say it was really nice to meet you virtually, Janine. <laughs> um, I've been really grateful that like we've been able to chat through Twitter and you sent me a physical copy of your book when it came out. And I'm just like honored to have a signed copy. Anytime oh. I can get a signed copy, I'm, I'm 
pumped about it, but yours especially, and this being like a book that I was really looking forward to after I heard you start talking about it. I, I couldn't believe you were willing to send me one from overseas as well. <laughs> so thank you again for that. Awesome. Thank you. Brendan, any final, any final thoughts, sir? I mean, as always, it's it's a pleasure to have you on. You are one of our favorite human beings, and yep. we will <laughs> talk to you anytime we can make the uh, the time thing work. Uh, we I, I would not do a Sunday morning at 9 a.m. episode for just anybody. <laughs> <laughs> that's true <laughs> my final thoughts are that your book is hyped up for good reasons there's a lot of truth to it and um i loved it it's great uh you are also someone like brent said one of our favorite people so it's an honor that we get to talk to you and we talked about who who do we want to reach out to for a uh halloween episode and you were it was a one person on that list that was you so we're glad that you said yes it's it means a lot to us and um you're going to be coming out with plenty more books in the future so we want you on anytime you want to come on uh thank you for spending time with us janine it it means a lot and listeners if you haven't picked up twisted taint tales yet check that out also check out uh candisha press what they got going on um slasher looks pretty damn cool Next episode, 123, is with Jeremy Robert Johnson. So stay tuned for that. Listeners, as always, you have many choices in podcasts. Thank you for joining us. You are now leaving Deadhead Space. Thank you for listening to us. <laughs> Thank you, Janine. <laughs> Thank you so much. (laughs) Go have coffee now, I think.